everyone, and welcome back to my first season. I never got the chance to work together with my next guest, but his name has been mentioned before on this podcast, and we do have 70 mutual friends according to Facebook. He worked for Club Med from 1987 to 1994, and his first season was in Club Med Eleuthera in April of 1987 as a lifeguard and swimming instructor. He was also a circus geo, a chief of circus, and an animator in Copper Mountain, where he also got married. And yes, we're going to talk about that. After Club Med, he spent five years traveling all over the world as a circus performer. And in 2010, he opened a circus school in Las Vegas called Trapeze Las Vegas. We're going to talk about that and so much more. So please help me welcome from my hometown of Montreal, now living in Vegas, Mr. Stefan Cote. Hey, Stefan, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me, Greg. Oh, no, thank you for saying yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, agreeing to share your story with us here today. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Did you see ads like everyone else during the winter in Montreal? Like, is that how you found out about Club Med? Uh, was it those ads that they kept running on TV? Or <laughs> No, funny enough, I really did not know anything about Club Med until my, uh, my last year of high school in, uh, in a French class where the teacher brought a newspaper article about uh, Club Med. We were studying how to write a newspaper article, and she wanted to use this article because she thought it would be interesting for us to use as an example. I don't remember how I did in, as far as get, writing my newspaper article, but I remember reading that article very carefully and being fascinated by the life of uh, the, the GLs at Club Med and wanting to know more about that. I think I might even have said at some point uh, in my 16-year-old, very wise uh, mind, uh, I will be a GL one day, not, not even knowing what Club Med was really all about. But that is how I find out about Club Med. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Stefan. Are you serious? Like this, this happened to you in high school? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, this is how it happened. You no, know, it was just a newspaper or a newspaper article in La Presse, the one of the paper from Montreal, where they had interviewed a couple of GOs. I, I wish I would remember the name of the, the those GOs, but they, they were talking about their their experience and their life at Club Med. And I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do as we were in the process of applying for college, you know, and all that. So, I mean, I still went to college because what I find out real quickly is that you had to be at least 18 years old to work at Club Med. I started to write my resume when I was 16 years old. And uh, this is, I had decided I'd made up my mind. This is where I wanted to go. Wow. I wish someone had showed me that article in high school. <laughs> I would have started sooner. Okay. All right. Well, did you get an interview in, in, in Montreal? Do you remember any of that? Yeah, eventually I got a call. Neon, super excited about that and, and very nervous. Again, I didn't know what I didn't know a whole lot, but got there. And I, one of the facts that I remember is I ran into two, three guys that I knew from, from my life in Montreal. And I saw them as competitive, competitors right away. I'm like, oh my goodness, if this is the kind of people they're interviewing, I don't have a chance because I knew these guys as being, as being very sociable and outgoing and good in sports. And uh, I thought, well, I, I don't stand a chance if this is who, you know, like, and who I'm going to be competing against. But there was a room full of people and it was uh, Jackie Amzalag and Andrea Livingston that were running the interview that day. Are you serious? These two were both in Montreal? They were in Montreal that day for the interview. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I get, and, and you said this was at Alexis Neon Plaza, right? Yes. And sometimes okay. in 1986, I'm assuming, because it took a while after the interview before I actually got the call. So it must have been sometime in 1986. Okay. You did tell me about a fun fact. So uh, when you arrived at the airport on the wrong day, was this for your first season in Eleuthera? Yeah, that was the very first season. So I have to admit, well, it's probably obvious even today that the, by my accent, English is not my first language. When I got the call from someone in the office in New York to go, uh, that I was going to a village, in my excitement and in my lack of English knowledge, I thought I heard a day and I thought I heard a village and I thought I heard to go to the airport. So I did, after a big party the night before with my family who was saying their goodbyes, I showed up at the airport on a Saturday, Mirabel Airport at the time, to go on the charter. And I heard that I was going to the Bahamas, not knowing that there was there were both Paradise Islands and Eleuthera. So I showed up at the airport and I told them I was a new GO supposed to get on the charter. And they told me that the charter for Clement Bahamas was on Sunday. So I turned around and I went back home. Didn't tell anybody, obviously, because you no, know, I was I had a party and I was supposed to be gone. Then showed up the next day to finally get on the charter, 
and uh, landed in Nassau uh, on that Sunday afternoon. And then if you want me to keep going, just to show you how my uh, initial experience was challenging, when I was asked who I was and where I was going, I told the, I'm, I'm assuming the traffic geo at the time, that I was the new lifeguard and that I was uh, going to work at Club Med. So he said, well, we're not expecting you. Not sure what you're doing here, but just uh, get on the bus and then get on the uh, the ferry in Island, where I was told that there was no need for a swimming instructor lifeguard there. And they didn't know what I was doing there. But just to go ahead, go to my room and show up at the restaurant at 5.30 or 6.30 and work mini club and help the kids uh, get their, their food for dinner. Uh, and they were going to figure out what to do with me at the time. Okay. So when did it when did it dawn on you that you were in the wrong place? Three four days later, Chief of Village <laughs> called me in his office, asking me what I was doing there, using uh, not uh, the kind of language that you would want me to repeat here. I don't <laughs> even remember who the Chief of Village was telling me that I was expected in Eleuthera, and that they have been waiting for me for five days in Eleuthera. And that I needed to get over there as soon as possible and asking me what I was, what was I thinking to go to Paradise Island? I said, well, and again, now this chief of village spoke French, so that was a little bit easier for me to, to explain. I said, well, I, I heard Bahamas and I thought this is what I was supposed to come. So he called the, uh, the assigner from New York, put her on the phone. <laughs> he told me, he said, uh, so you tell me. Did she tell you to come to Paradise Island or are you a complete idiot and you're at the wrong village? Because if she did tell you that, I'm going to fire her on the spot. So I said, what is it? I said, well, I'm a complete idiot and I'm at the wrong village. <laughs> not, to, not to get anybody fired. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but in reality, I was a complete idiot, not speaking English very well, and I was at the wrong village. <laughs> so four days later, or if you want, maybe more like six days later, considering that I had a false start on Saturday, I finally arrived in Eleuthera to start my Clement careers, I, I'm assuming Thursday or Friday of the following week. I'm not quite sure exactly how many days it was. And that is the beginning of my first season. I think this is every every first season Geo's worst nightmare. What happened to you? Like secretly, we all we're all happy this didn't happen to to us, but it happened to you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, oh, it's a, but the funniest thing also I should say, and, and, and I've had this story with her uh, a few times recently is when Andrea interviewed me on the, in the one-on-one -on -one interviewed, she interview, interviewed me in French. She was very proud of the fact that she was an American who could speak French, and she did the whole interview in French, which really saved, saved me from even an earlier embarrassment, which I would have probably not even made it past that interview. And then at the end of the interview, she looked at me finally and speaking English, and she says, oh, and I assume you speak English, right? And my answer was, yes, I do. And that's how I got to the interview. That's how nobody knew that I could not speak English. And that's how I ended up uh, in the wrong village and at the airport on the wrong day. And when you arrive, fortunately, uh, your chief of village, Michel Delamar, and chief of sport, Eric Perronet, both spoke French. So I guess, uh, did they uh, tease you a little bit when you arrived? I don't even know if they even knew what happened, to be honest with you. I mean, I just showed up and uh, I met the, the the lifeguard that I was replacing and, you know, life as a geo just started so I, I don't know how much they knew about it the chief of mini club was also french pascal was his name so yeah it uh, i think all of this just kind of you know was swept under the carpet very quickly and uh and i started uh as a lifeguard probably a few hours after i arrived yeah so i don't often meet geos that were lifeguard their first season but i'm looking at uh, the village list you sent me in your second season you went from circus so I guess while you were, uh, was there a circus in Eleuthera? Yeah, that was one of the first village actually to have a circus at the time. That's where Florida State University had brought their program and then Bob Christians brought the flying trapeze. So that was one of the, the first circus uh, village in, in Club Med. So you saw that and uh, I guess your life changed kind of little when you, when you, when you wanted to do that? Yeah, that was that's another interesting story. I mean, I just uh, I saw it and I was uh, it was right at the bottom of where the mini club was located. And I thought it was uh, fascinating to see people flying every day from four to six. And uh, eventually I made my way down there to try it. My, my funny story is that I figured out very quickly that I could be 
dealing with all the children of the mini club, or I could be like those circus geos at the bar that were very popular and getting all their drinks paid for because these ladies were so amazed that the circus geos were so strong and they could swing in midair with them and that they gave them such an amazing experience. So I said, uh, what do I need to do? Where can I get a pair of tights? I want to do this. Bobby Bates was the uh, chief of circus at the time with his girlfriend at the time, Roxanne. And uh, that's how I started to, to do circus. Started to fly, and uh, in my free time, it happened to be that four to six, I was always uh, available. So I would go pretty much, uh, so first starting to fly, and then eventually, and I would say back at the time, I should say, a circus team was three geos at the most. Sometimes it was not even that much. So if somebody was out, so there was always a need for someone to help. So I offered myself to uh, to, to be a helper, Learn to work the board, learn to pull lines, learn to uh, to catch, which none of it came easily to me, especially the catching part. That was quite a challenge, but I had the, the whole season. And then there was a, a rotation of circus geos. So I had the chance to work with um, a few different circus geos during that season to a point where I, I had made up my mind at the end of the season that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a circus geo. That's what I asked uh, the chief of village, I guess, at the time. And that's why I also met Bob Christians. So Bob Christian was there quite often. You know, him being in charge, I got to, to know him very well. Probably the biggest influence in, in my life uh, from that point on, thanks to him. As you said, I have a circus school. I perform, uh, work professionally all over the world. It all started with him. So thanks to Bob, I was able to become a circus geo. And that's when I went on to my second season where to put the Canada as a circus geo. Wait one moment. When you say uh, Bob and Florida State University, what, what do you mean? I'm, I, I don't think I've ever heard this before. Yeah, that's not that's not very well known, but there, there's actually Florida State University as a circus program, and they had brought this to Club Med in the very early 80s, and Bob Christians then also brought the flying trapeze. So it's a combination. So the the what we know as the, the, the ground circus, if you want the Spanish web, the bicycle, the double trapeze, the swinging trapeze, all these acts, uh, what it is, it's that Florida, uh, students from Florida State University came to Club Med one summer and started to teach uh, circus uh, at the time which is a program that they also did in uh, camps in the, in Florida. Bob came along, I'm not sure if it's the same year or the year after, some of this is not completely clear, but Bob, Bob came in to bring the flying trapeze. So that's what became what was known at the time as the, as the circus program. So you had the flying trapeze, and then you had all the other activities, the trampoline, the mini trampoline, Spanish web, single trapeze, bike, clown, and, and all the and juggling, which was the circus show that we did every year. So that's that's how it started. And like I said, Eleuthera was one of the first one. If my memory is right, I believe Caravelle, had the second flying trapeze uh, followed by Fort Royal. Actually, it was Fort Royal first, which is not like a club anymore, obviously, and, and Punta Cana. So the, these were like the two, three circus villages at the time. And that's why you probably noticed that I did all back and forth because there was only so many circus villages to go to. St. Lucia was, I believe, the fourth one. So yeah, by, by the... Uh, late 80s, 88, 89, there were four or five circus villages, and those were the ones. Okay, I don't, I, I don't want to mean to beat this thing to death here. Are you saying that students could either teach or do circus for credit at Florida State U? Is this what you're telling me? Uh, Flor yeah, Florida, Florida State University still has a circus program today. I don't know if you, if they get credit of its extracurricular anymore. I know a few people who have graduated from there. Some people who actually were coaches there, ran, ran the program over there. But yeah, this is one of their thing, and and it's been like this for at least forty some years. Where during the year there's a big top set up on site, and that's where uh, that that's where they get to uh, to do circus activities. And, and I believe that there's been other circus geos that have come from Florida State University, as well as I know some geos have went on to work at Florida State University to run their program. So there's definitely a connection there. And I'm not surprised that you don't know because it's not really that well known. Uh, it's uh, it's not something that uh, people are aware of because it's been so long. I mean, we're talking about early 80s here. Yeah. No, no, that's uh, very interesting. You're right. I did not know that. And I'm sure a lot of other people will be surprised uh, when they hear this. 
All right. So, okay. So you get to go to Punta Cana next season as a circus geo. By this time, I guess after your first season, you're, there's no more Club Med culture shock. I'm sure you got the plane on time to Punta Cana this time, right? I don't remember anything uh, out of the ordinary. So I must assume that, <laughs> yes, I did. I know I know that uh, the airport was not open yet or not all the flights were going there. So I remember landing in Santo Domingo and doing a three, four hours bus ride oh, to arrive to, to, uh, to the Club Med. And during the season, uh, I guess that's when the airport opened or maybe just the charters were going to the airport in Punta Cana. But yeah, back then they were, yeah, the Club Med Punta Cana. And I think you had the Bavaro Beach next door that was open. The airport was one runaway, one straw hut was the immigration and custom suitcases were left on the tarmac and yeah, that's that's that was Punta Cana back in those days. Wow. Okay. What? So, anything interesting happened in uh, Punta Cana that season? Well, a, a small little thing happened is that I met this uh, this young lady who came to fly a few times, who I thought was uh, a very interesting, very nice young lady. Thinking that maybe she was a GM even at the end of the week, but uh, fortunately to, for me, she was actually a GO. And uh, what was our one week affair is going on on 34 years now, 35 years. So that's where I met Lisa. That's, oh, okay. Uh, that's... oh, okay. Now, okay. So what, what was her job in the resort? So Lisa was a mini club geo at the time, but she also did so many other things that season. She was also like the backup aerobic instructor. She was working hostess sometime. She did some boutique and, uh, and she would come to the circus. And okay. that's, where, that's where we met. Because you liked her, did you have to pretend to ignore her or you just were like, oh, I'm done. This is the woman I'm going to marry or like, how does it, how does it work? Uh, no, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know if I knew that this was the woman I was going to marry. Uh, we definitely have a, had a lot in common right away. And that was quite obvious, especially the love of the circus. I mean, she, she really loved the circus. I was uh, obviously having a great time there. So that's really what got us together at the first place. But to go back to the first part of the question. We obviously, back in those days, and especially in that village, could not let anybody know that we were together. So I let her know, uh, and we were together, but in the eyes of everybody, uh, most people, that was not, uh, nobody would know because you could not really be in couple. That was not, uh, that was not a good thing. So we might have had a few dinners together in our six-month season, but not very often. Was Punta Cana a family uh, village back then in 87? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So all, all the, yeah, the, if, if you had a circus, pretty much it was guaranteed that it was a, most of the time that's because it was a, a family village. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm surprised that uh, it was frowned upon even in a family village back then. I thought it would, I thought you'd have some leeway if it was a family village, but I guess not. <laughs> not that much that season. Okay. <laughs> All right. Then after, do you go together to Eleuthera after Punta? No, because in order to become a circus geo, uh, she had to do some training. Uh, she had to do part of a season with uh, Bob. So she was asked to go to Copper Mountain, Kids of the World which was the second time for her. She had started there. I'm not going to go over all of her, of her story. but So she went to Copper Mountain to work with Bob. The, and I went back to Eleuthera because, again, there was just not so many villages. There was about 10 circus geos, 10, 11 circus geos, and there were about 12 circus positions. So we were kind of going back and forth between villages. So I went back to Eleuthera, but this time uh, as a circus geo, not, uh, not many club anymore. But just one moment, if she wanted to be a circus geo, why would she go to Copper? Was there a circus school at Copper? Yeah, so Kids of the World, that was probably the third or the fourth summer of Kids of the World at the time. I think it was only open for five or six years. Kids of the World was a program that was only for children uh, in the summertime. So this we're talking about summertime here when I say uh, she went to Copper Mountain, not, not winter. So every summer, very uh, mostly affluent uh, children or children from affluent families would go to Club uh, Med, Copper Mountain, or Kids of the World, where they would spend two, three, four, five, some some of those children were there uh, up to seven or eight weeks. I think it was only open about eight weeks. And it was the the coolest, the best summer camp that you could ever go to, except that it was a Club Med camp. 
So children were arriving you know, by themselves at the airport and they had to be picked up at the airport. From what I understand, I, I never did that season. This is what, what Lisa has explained to me. And one of the activity was they had set up a flying trippies and all the circus program there on site at the bottom of the mountain uh, where the hotel was located. And she had been there the season before as a mini club geo. And this time she was going back to... Uh, because Bob was going to work there that summer. So she was going back there so that she could train with Bob during that season. Okay. All right. Interesting. So now you're in Eleuthera. She's in Copper. Your chief of village now is Ye, correct? That's right. Yep. Ye. Ye. Papa Ye, I think they used to call him. Okay. Yep. And uh, is it this season that you start thinking, maybe I'd like to be a chief of circus or not yet? Yeah. Well, not that I was really thinking about it, but, what happened? We were a team of four. I guess it got to be a little bit better at the time. We finally started to have a little bit more people. And one of the reasons for that was that Peter Gold was being trained at the time to become Bob's assistant. So Peter was going to travel from villages to villages to, again, to, to give a hand to uh, to Bob as Clement was trying to open up more villages. And uh, at some point during the season, so Peter had to go. So there was three of us left, and that's when I uh, I was told that I was going to be chief of circus while he was gone, and that's uh, that's how it happened. So I would not say there was a lot of thinking or any other. Uh, there was not a big plan. There was no. Uh, we didn't have the, uh, the the geo program for those who have potential, like Hammer has put in place today. There was none of this existed. At least we were not aware of. Just happened that way. Ye said, "Okay, you're chief of circus while Peter is gone." So that it was that simple. All right. So they send you to St. Lucia on uh, October 88. So to be chief of circus, chef de village, Christian, is it Maillet you pronounce it? Yeah, Christian Maillet. Yeah, that's right. Rod Frankel, I guess, the second half of that season? Toward the end, yeah. So that was interesting because that was the only club med with a circus that did not have kids. So this one, this was an adult village. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so that was actually the last season. So that season ended up being the last uh, season of St. Lucia being a uh, an adult-only village, which for us in circus changed things a little bit because instead of putting a circus show with 200 kids every week, as that's that's how it used to be back then. We we it, we were not really called to perform that much. It was all about the children or the, teen the teenager, kids and teenagers, to be in the show. It was all about them. So in all those villages in the past, this is what we would do. Arriving in St. Lucia, uh, I had been told in advance, and I was, uh, it was known that the, uh, the, 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 the geos of, of all the village would have to be trained to do the circus show. Unless we were lucky enough to have some GMs that could be put in, that could be trained in in, in one week. So... That was fun because that allowed us to do things that we were never able to do. I mean, you can only do so much in, in one week uh, of training, but being able to work with the whole circus, the, the whole village, uh, all the geos in the village to put the circus show together. Yeah, that was very interesting. We would uh, try to do even a, a rotation. I think we probably had, I don't know, 20, 25 different female geos doing the Spanish web that uh, that season because we would just keep changing and get everybody involved. We were able to do something that I don't think has ever been done again since then. But uh, we used to have this bike act where we would ride the bike with four or five kids in, in, in the circus geos. Well, we tried to push the limit there since we had a lot of time to practice with the same people every week. We made it all the way to 10 people in one bike. The only problem is that we could only do it in the show because almost every time we tried to do that, to do it, the the wheel of the bicycle would collapse under the weight of ten people on the bicycle. So we would practice it, but not really do it. Do it in the show. Uh, hope that when the wheel collapsed, that we were not going to get hurt too badly. Because I don't know if you know, but back then in Saint Lucia, you were doing the circus. The, the circus show was between the theater and the pool. So you have to be careful not to drive the bike in the pool between all the people. So yeah, that's uh, and you've had uh, some other geos that uh, uh, I've talked about it, uh, where they're saying that they, they had their chance to do uh, the circus show. It's it wasn't that season, so it was it was interesting. It was a very interesting uh, season for us to be able to to do that with the whole team and be able to do more than what was at the time the the circus show with the children. 
Okay. It's so, it's so weird to think of St. Lucia as a singles village, but were you there when, because you, you spent like October 88 to October 89. So was it um, singles the whole year you were there or did it change nope. midway? No, actually, we were there for the transition. So the club wow. closed at the end of that season, and it was known that we were closing for a month to bring in the mini club. Okay. And uh, that we were going to reopen uh, in a month with uh, with the mini club. So I was asked to stay. So we did go home. Obviously, we, we, we went home for a, a short vacation, but uh, came back and uh, had to kind of reset the program completely and the the mini club had been built on the one end of the village and so on so then it uh, it became the the family club that more i guess most people know it as right now so we were there for yeah both season the 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 last season as a as an adult only and the first season as a family club was that weird yes because i, I felt like it was not really built to be a uh a club for kids, even though those of you who've never seen it as an adult right. only yeah. probably think the opposite, which goes to show you that what you see the first time is always the best, you know, no matter what it is. So, uh, yeah, it was weird. Uh, it was weird to be there for, for a whole year as well. But, uh, I, you know, again, the, the options were a bit limited, you know. I mean, if not that, then I would have to go back to, to Eleuthera again or, or, or Punta Cana. So that, that was one of the... Circus was a lot of fun, but in some ways it kind of limited the the amount of villages that I was able to go to. Well, yeah. Well, you you kindly step back into the uh, the uh, single life, uh, well, single village life, because you go to Playa Blanca from 80, October 89 to March 90. And this is with that season I hear so much about with uh, Pierre Letelier Gagnon, Sheba Village, and of course, Hansel Moss is the chief of sport. And this is that season that was pretty, pretty killer, right? From what I hear. Yeah, that was quite a season. Yes, this is, uh, you know, you hear the expression dream team all the time, dream team of this season, dream team of that season. I, I, I think if there was really a dream team, that, that was it. That was uh, that was an amazing season. I mean, if you just look at the amount of people that have, uh, some of them, some of the people that were there, that season, there was only their first or second season. And uh, I could Know, list the names of all these people and a lot of your listeners would probably who they are and yet we were all there in the, the same uh, same place for six months uh it, it was the village is beautiful to start with the gms were amazing too they were the easiest gms to work with uh, for some reason they they were just cool they were relaxed the the expectations were completely different than when you're in a family village i mean you know if it's a family village if the kids don't have a good time the parents don't have a good time and then everybody Everybody hears about it, but no, that village was an easy village. Of obviously, don't worry, don't count the number of times you have to go up the steps. But other than that, yeah, it was an amazing village. A an amazing amount of friendships has has come together from that season. I think we took a picture at a reunion. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, and I think there was like 14, 14 or 15 of us from that season who were at a reunion some years later considering that the team was only about 90 some geos and 14 of them 20 years later can get together i think that 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 shows how yeah that was that was an amazing season well can you give us just some of the names of the people who were there if you remember yeah so we had uh, uh, an archery geo uh named hammer oh hammer was uh, arch archery okay yeah hammer was doing archery that season you already mentioned hensel moss obviously was the chief of sports uh on the beach we had uh cheese and uh and jenner we also had uh julie working the the boutique at the time julie that is now with with hammer uh we had russ freeman the tennis who has done 140 seasons i, I don't know the exact number but russ, <laughs> russ has been has been around he would, for he would, he would laugh at that okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh russ was uh yeah russ was uh doing the and then oh my god who else did we have uh, was, red, they, was red there Red, yeah, obviously, I cannot forget Red. Red was there. <laughs> Dave the Way was Lance Sports, and, and the the list could go on. I'm sorry, I don't have all the. No, that's okay. All, what was this the, the? Was this the first season of Circus at Playa? No, I think it was the second, second okay. or third. Yeah, it, it was. It was pretty recent. It, uh, and uh, it was all the way down by the tennis, by the by the ranch, also where horseback riding was. That's uh, yeah, that's where it was located. It, it was a beautiful location. 
same thing again there. We got to, uh, the, with no children, we were able to push a little bit more the, uh, the, the, the quality of the circus show, if you want. Now, a completely different experience with, uh, with using the geos, but the, the, the flying trapeze shows would go on and on and on. We, some shows, we would have 25, 30 uh, GMs in the show, and uh, it was one of the, the, the highlights uh, of the week, I think, for a lot of people. Again, circus was just starting. I mean, it was not like today where there's a bunch of circus schools all over the place. Now, if you wanted to fly on the trapeze, the only place to do it was to go to Club Med. And while we started at four, people were lining up to get as many turns as possible as early as three o'clock. So we would arrive at the trapeze and we would have a line of 20 people already waiting to uh, to get their turns on the trapeze. Oh, I cannot forget. I'm sorry, Scott De Palma. So Scott was the uh, the, the third member of, uh, of the circus team. So there was three of us. It was uh, Scott, Lisa, and I. We, we were the, the, the circus team. Okay, so so Lisa Lisa is with you at this point. She's been with me after alert after her, st her stay in the Copper Mountain. She came to join me to finish the season in Alertra, and uh, she always was with me. So we were always so in a team of three. It was the two of us and and somebody else. That that's how, that's how it was every village. So we were always going together. There was no. Um, there was no pushback or any questions about it. And I think, again, because with so few circus geos, now if they were able to put two of us in one place and just have to fill the third spot, that was convenient for everybody. So, yeah, we were together every season. Well, plus the Chiva Village was from Montreal, so that just automatically makes him cool, right? <laughs> I, yeah, though I didn't know him. I, I really did not know. See, again, because of uh, – the way the nature of the circus, I never got to follow a chief of village from season to season, like like you hear about with other ones, because the chances that a chief of village would go from a circus village to another circus village were slim to none. That almost never happened with only four or five uh, villages. So we were always with a different uh, a different chief of village. Okay. But yes, I, I did get along very well with uh, with Pierre, uh, obviously being the first uh, French Canadian uh, chief of village. That was uh, that was uh, a uh, a very cool thing to be part of. So yeah, I did connect with him very well. Okay, um, um since you were at Playa Blanca in the '80s, I'm not going to ask you what <laughs> if you have any favorite stories. So, but. I do. I do want to talk about your next season because it looks like they gave you a pretty big uh, assignment because uh, you had to, I guess, help set up the first circus school at a club med in Europe. Is that right? Yeah. So somehow uh, in the, the the management of Club Med, they decided that they were going to expand the way that the circus program was running in the United States and in, in sorry in the North American zone to the European zone. So even though there was a, a small concept of circus program back then, it did not have a flying trapeze portion to it. So they had asked Bob to, uh, and they had picked a village called Metapunto in uh, southern Italy to be that village. Bob had reached out to me asking me if uh, I wanted to go. He was obviously going to be there at the beginning to set up everything because there was absolutely zero equipment there. If I wanted to go with Lisa again, so it was it was you always got two for one with us. It was all, we were always a pair to go to uh, Metapunto, and then he had asked us to think. Uh, no, you pick somebody else that you want to go with. Uh, I don't need to mention it because he has mentioned it. So at the time, we had also trained the uh, cheese to become a circus geo in Playa Blanca. He was helping us. Uh, I think Scott was out uh, for a week or something like that. So had, uh, we had trained Cheese to uh, to fly on the trapeze and to become a catcher. So I said, hey, you want to come with us to uh, to, uh, to Metapunto? Yeah, he has told the story. He had to refuse because he had to go back home to uh, make a lot of money at his old job. And yeah. So, so I ended up anyway. So we ended up uh, with other geos, and we went there about uh, three weeks before the opening of the village, two three weeks I think, and we had to uh, to set up everything from from the ground up, putting the the flying trapeze, setting up all the rest of the equipment for uh, for the for the circus shows. The other thing that was also different is while all the other villages were typically 600 GMs, 150 kids a week, Metapunto was huge. Metapunto was 1,800 people up to four or five hundred kids a week and uh speaking sometimes up to five or six languages 
So you're, you're, you're riding the bike, doing the bike act. And while you're trying to give cues to all the kids on the bike, you have to say it in four or five different languages because there, there's, a, there's an Italian in front. There's a German one on your shoulders. There's uh, two French on the sides of the bike. And so everybody spoke different languages. So that was probably the uh, challenging, but yet very fun part of this. It was completely different. I mean, we dealing with the different cultures and, you know, learning how everybody reacts to certain things with the flying trapeze being completely new. So you have people who've been to Clamette for years and years and years, you know, they've been to Agadir and they've done all their, the, the villages in Europe, and then they come there and there's a flying trapeze. It was a very popular activities. Had we been able to be able to run the trapeze six hours a day, uh, we would have been busy six hours a day. But again, being just three circus geos, there was a, a bit of a limitation to uh, how much time we could uh, we could be open. But it, it was a very very popular activity. And I think the chief of village at the time was uh, Eric George, right? Uh... That's right. Eric George was chief of village. Very nice man. And uh, even for him, it was a bit of a new concept. He had never worked in a village with. Uh, with uh, a uh, with the circus program and and for the, the even for the mini club, you know, who uh, are used to have a, we used to do the mini club show back then, you know. So one night you had the mini club show, and then then another night it was a circus show. So they thought that maybe that was almost too much. So the the, the animation that redid the schedule to accommodate everyone, and we were getting a lot of support from the mini club team because again, can you imagine? You have three hundred kids backstage that need to have their their lions and tigers makeup put on and their clown makeup put on and uh, and so on and so on. Lisa had, uh, over the years, accumulated a couple trunks of costumes and equipment that we were taking with us from village to village, which was unknown of because typically only the, the choreographer was bringing costumes with, with them. But we had accumulated such a, a large amount that I had the, uh, the approval to do that. But we didn't have anywhere near the amount of costumes that we needed for all of these kids. So it was a lot of a uh, lot of improvisation and a lot of costumes put together at the last minute. But at the end of the day, it's uh, I look back at some of these pictures sometimes of seeing all the kids coming out of the curtains at the end. And it just seems like it's a clown gag, like you just that it never ends. They just keep coming out and they just keep coming out. And yeah, we I think that the biggest week we had was like 320 kids in the in the circus show at the end of the week. Yeah, I briefly worked at Metapano in 97 while waiting to go to my next village. And I was, I had never seen a village that size before. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's probably the biggest village you ever worked as well, right? Oh, by far, by far. Yeah, it's a monster, monster village. <laughs> wow. I'm just looking at your fun facts. Uh, I love this Santana story about the band. Can you, you tell me where where that, where that was that uh, this happened? So in Elytra, uh, okay, <laughs> back in back then already, just like they do today, you could have uh, geo artists that would come for the week, and uh, there was a band that came that week in Elytra, and they were going to play music throughout the week for for the for different events. You know, they would put on shows in exchange for their vacation. So we got to talk with them a little bit. Then I had this idea. They they were kind of jazzy a little bit and uh, i'm like i've listened to you guys play us and there's this one song that uh, lisa uses when she does spanish web that's a very cool song and i wonder if you guys you know would you would you play live for the circus show is that something that you guys could do ju just for that number and he says well what's the song that uh, she's she's using and I don't remember exactly the title, but I told them and they all look at each other and they start laughing. They like, yeah, we, we, we think we can play it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know it. And uh, so it was a song from Santana that she was using. And that was the band from Santana that was there at Club Med. So I was asking them if they could play the song that they play every day in their concerts and their shows. Probably one of the guy wrote it, I guess. I, I don't know. So so that was pretty cool. But even more than that, I said, well, what else do you use for music for the rest of the show? I said, like, oh, well, we have all kinds of music and all those different things, kind of the standards that were used for the circus show at the time. And uh, so I shared with them. It's like, well, we're not going to set up just for one song. If we're going to do it, we're going to do the whole show. Like, seriously? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So here we were in our little uh, well, circus show at the Alertra in the theater. And we had Santana's band playing live for the whole show for every single act in the show. 
Okay, this is crazy. So are you saying that Carlos Santana's band like uh, came to Luthra in the late 80s and they were like they were like the Club Med artists? Is this what you're saying? Yeah, they yeah, they came on vacation and in exchange they had to play a few songs a couple times a week and oh one God. of the things they did and, and, and I'm thinking maybe today they're telling the story the other way around. It's like, can you imagine we played for a circus show? I I, I want to think or, that. Oh no, they're telling about that guy. That, they're telling them that story about that guy from Montreal who asked them to play a song, not knowing who they were, and it was their song. <laughs> well, that that happened to me more than once that I did not know who people were. I guess I don't oh, want to really? say I was shel- I don't say I want I was sheltered, but again, not speaking English. You know, there, there's a lot of things that that we do at Club Med that are really cultural. You know, like. E- you don't if you don't know what minouche man minouche is you know you see it for the first time on stage or or even broadway plays i, I was never exposed to to broadway plays when they say okay we're doing one tomorrow in the show and you have to learn it like what what is one chorus line i don't know what that was so there was a lot of things to me my, my cultural shock was I mean, yes, there were other ones to like being in the dressing room the first time that you have to do a show and you're told that you have to put on a pair of tights. I mean, that's a whole other story. But but the <laughs> one time, the one time that I think was interesting was so at the beginning of the week, we asked all the kids what they want to do in the show. And we always ask the kids like, well, uh, we need a ringmaster. We need a we need an English speaking ringmaster. We need a French speaking ringmaster. And there's a little kid that raises his hands like, OK, I'll, I'll, do, I'll be the ringmaster. So I, I give him the scripts to introduce all the, the the acts and I tell them that okay the, you, you have cards you have cue cards so you just you just you know read this but learn how to pronounce all the words so that you're ready by Friday night and uh, his mom comes to me on Tuesday or Wednesday and she's like I just want to confirm when is the show it's like well it's Friday night she's okay she says because he's working very hard to to learn the script oh I said no 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 he's on vacation I, I, I would never ask a kid to learn the script it's like all I want him is to read it a few times so that he doesn't fumble over some words when he's when he's presenting. She's like, no, no, says, you don't understand. Fred is not going to be reading the script. Fred is going to be doing it on top of his head. I'm like, okay, Fred wants to do it that way. That's fine with me. While Fred was actually Fred Savage. Okay, where uh, where and when was this? Was this a Luthra? That was a Luthra as well, too. So Fred what, Savage what, what, was... Which, uh, 87 or 88? The 88 season, I believe. So okay. Fred Savage is there on vacation with his family and his younger brother. I did not know what the one the year was or whatever show he was on at the time. I think it was the one the year. Well, I've never the, seen well, that the, show. Well, the Princess Bride had come out in 87. So that was his first big movie. Uh, but but you but so so later on, someone told you told you who that was? Well, eventually I'm like, so I said, Fred's mom came to me and uh, and it's like, oh, he's an actor. You don't know that? I was like, no, I don't know that. And I mean, obviously, you can imagine that when we gave him the microphone to open the show and he walked out on stage, it became clear that that was not his first time being in front of an audience. And uh, he probably was one of the best ringmaster we've ever had for a show. I mean, he just he just killed it. He was amazing. And then years later, when I you know finally got to understand a bit more American cultures and movies and TV. Then I, I came to find out who he was. And now every time I watch Austin Power, I just, um, you know, I just, uh, I watch mole, him. Mole? <laughs> I just watch Mole and Mole and Mole. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, okay. I, and, and I remember that he was the ringmaster for a circus show. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and all due respect to his mom, like we didn't have TVs or we didn't get the news, newspapers. We were totally cut off from civilization, right? And that was the point. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't forget, I went to Clement. I was 19 years old. So yeah, again, French Canadian, exactly. 19 years old. I've not really traveled a whole lot in my life. And now having never watched uh, American TV, I mean, even at some point we would, uh, so I was asked to be on the microphone quite a lot, believe it or not, even though my English was not that good, I ended up being the one on the microphone quite often to to do the welcome uh, or the arrivals and all this. And we would do this thing in St. Lucia uh, at uh, six o'clock, seven o'clock before cocktail, a game show. The sound engineers was always playing the music of entertainment tonight uh, to introduce us to do this game show. Well, I had never even never watched entertainment tonight. So it's only years later that I put the pieces together that I realized that the reason why that song was playing when we would be doing the game show at the bar before dinner was because of entertainment tonight. And don't the, the other guy with me would always say, I'm not John Tesh. And I, I didn't, again, I didn't know who John Tesh was. So, yeah, I guess I was looking back at all of this. I was very sheltered. I guess uh, there was a lot of things I did not know when I got to Club Med. Speaking of which, after 
Metaponto, I'm assuming that you went as an animator to Copper because there's no circus at Copper. Did you? But how does how do you go from chief of circus to animator? Were you always funny? No, that that that's a big stretch. That was a very okay. very big stretch. There was there's a huge stretch there, but it okay. was because of a plan. There was a plan there. So after Metaponto, we had a lot of time off, and Lisa and I and some of the other uh, geos at Metaponto, we were able to travel. And uh, our goal, Lisa and I, was to try to see as many circus shows as possible. So we went to different country, went to see different shows, got to meet performers. I mean, we were in in, in Germany and France and Italy, even. Though open a I was even asked to open a small circus school in Milano somebody had contacted me at Club Med to see if I could go help them open a circus school so we spent about I don't know six seven weeks in the world of circus uh, visiting GMs that had invited us and going to catch on a lot of circus shows and back then Lisa and I had decided that we wanted to become professional circus performers that that was the next step for us Obviously, one of the issues was, well, I'm Canadian and she's American, and uh, we assumed that we were probably going to work in the U.S., so we needed to figure out a way for me to be legal to work in the U.S. And, well, since the fact that we had been together for four years by then, and it was quite obvious that we were in love and uh, we wanted to spend our life together, we decided that, well, we should get married. The best thing to do was for us to get engaged so that I could petition the U.S. government to let me come in as a fiancé and then get married within the three months, I think, that you have or six months that you have once you get into the country to get married uh, so that I could get my green card. So plus the fact that Lisa knew so there was at that time you had Sandpiper or Copper Mountain, where the, those were going to be the only two villages open in the winter, and Sandpiper was not an option because Bob was using this as his training ground, so he did not want to take us there. He wanted to use people who were newer to to do that. So Lisa, remember our season there as a circus geo with Copper Mountain, the kids of the world. And she says, I know we can hang a lot of the equipment in the theater like we used to do back in the days. of. Uh, so there would be no flying trapeze, but we could do a lot of the, uh, the other things. And, and I think at the time we were doing a double trapeze act together. So we came up with the idea of getting engaged, telling New York we wanted to go work at Copper Mountain, telling New York that I would have my green card at some point, that I would be allowed to do that because otherwise I was not able to go. Then came the conversation, well, what are you guys going to do? He says, well, I'll do costumes. I've been doing costumes the whole time for the circus program and all that, so I can do costumes in copper. And uh, the only thing I could think of was for me to be the animator. But I was not definitely not the funniest animator. I was... uh, I would say almost more like PR, which did not exist at the time, really. But but I mean, yeah, I did do my things. I I, I was doing Schnapps Patrol every day in a funny costumes. I put my bed in the elevator and I slept in the elevator all night so that when people were going to breakfast in the morning, I was sleeping there. Really? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we did all these things. And there was another guy there at the time, too, that wanted to be an animator, too, who was funny and uh, a friend of Mildjur and... Uh, so okay. together, together we managed to do what we had to do. But but again, my big plan was we go there. Eventually, when the paper comes in for me to be able to uh, to go get married, because again, the plan was you have to get married within three months. Well, we also had in mind to become circus performer at the end of that season. So as soon as we were we got the okay that it was no, we could go get married. We asked for a couple of hours off to go get married. Then the office said, well, you don't don't go just get married. We're, we're going to throw a party for you here. We're going to do a, a big event. The, the marriage is going to happen here at the club. But I, we didn't think that our parents were going to be able to come. And doing a big thing without our parents and our family was not what we were looking for. Also, I didn't want to be the entertainment uh, of the GMs. I felt like this was more of a private thing. We That's how we felt at the time. So... We went to the courthouse in uh, Breckenridge, stopped at a jewelry shop, bought a ring on the way there, and got married. Mildzier told us to go have dinner at a good rest- French restaurant in Vail. We went to have dinner. We came back, and then we did the show that night. And that's how we got married. Okay. Wow. <laughs> 
pretty good. And we got to, and we got to introduce, we got to introduce that when you know when everybody gets introduced. Oh, and by the way, they just went to get married three hours ago, and uh, <laughs> and life kept on going. And then we were, I was able to go back to Denver to have my final interview to get my green card. Because as you know, you have to have these interviews, just like the movie Green Cards. You know, it, it's real. They ask you all these questions. Now, it's a, lot easy, it's a lot easier when you show them pictures of you on a flying trapeze all over the world. They know that these are not fake pictures. So, um, so yeah, so that, that process was easy. And then from there, we were already looking for a job to become circus performers. And uh, that's how we did it. We, uh, we had but a... Uh, a camper van and we had driven to copper to copper mountain so that when we would have a job we would be ready to uh to hit the road from there and and go join the world of uh, run away with the circus so that's the big i know so it was a long answer but that's the big story behind me being an animator because really other than that yeah that should have not been my job that was not <laughs> but we we put on we put on an amazing circus show in the village so we we train all the other geos and we were able to have a, a lot of the equipment there and not only did we have a circus show but we even had the side show before the show which was no today would be politically incorrect but we had the whole side show going on so so in some ways we contributed to the to the animation in a different way but yeah and we had one kid in the village and it was Mildred's daughter so obviously we trained her to do as much as we could with her. She was she was a bit young, but we you know we had to use her for as much as we could to to fill some spots. And Mildieu being a magician, and uh, and Philippe Fifi, the chief of animation, also being a magician, we were able to to combine their their magic with the rest of the circus. So yeah, we had we ended up with a great show with our circus experience. All right, so. I would like to talk about the circus school you you opened and then come back to Club Med. Is that okay? Sure. So you opened a circus school in Las Vegas called Trapeze Las Vegas. Uh, was that hard to get off the ground? Well, that's it's another one of those things that was well, not planned in any ways whatsoever. What happened is that uh, my my good friends uh, who also own a circus school in San Francisco in Oakland, who I work with uh, many times, Stefan Godreau, and his wife Lily, who are my my dear friends, uh, had already uh, opened a circus schools, and we had helped them a little bit, and we had got involved a little bit with that. And they had a flying trapeze uh, that was floating around the United States available, and someone had called on it at, during New Year's because yeah, they were at our house for a New Year's Eve party, and they got a call. Someone was asking if they could rent their flying trapeze to bring it to Vegas to open a, a flying trapeze school in Vegas. Which I had thought about many times, but I could not figure out any way financially to make it work. So they're here and they're getting this call and they're looking at me it's like someone wants to bring a flying trapeze here. So I said, well, okay, well, that's cool. So sure, they're, they're going to do that. So they ended up uh, renting that trapeze to someone who set it up in a backyard here in Vegas, trying to make this a very short story. It ended up not working. The trapeze was here. It was available. Lily says, do you want to do something with this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have time. I have a full-time job. I have kids. Sure, let's see if we can do something on the weekend. And uh, we started to do a class or two on Saturday and Sunday of flying trippies with a few people in town where uh, we realized that maybe there was an opportunity to do more than that was when I got a call from, I think, the Bellagio, uh, saying that they had guests at the Bellagio who wanted to come take a flying trapeze class. And uh, those people showed up in the stretch limo and were in a backyard, and it doesn't look good at all. I'm not going to lie to you. It was not a great location. And, and here we are. We, we have guests there. And about the same time, Groupon was becoming a big thing. So I'm like, well, let's see if we can put a few classes on Groupons. And that actually helped a lot so it just grew kind of organically while i was having my full-time job uh we had a partner here in town someone that we had worked in the circus with uh, uh in the past the support of stefan and lily lowly one class became two lisa was going to school at the time to become a physical therapist assistant three hours after she graduated i needed her to come work the board we had a class the rest is it's three. From there, we went from two classes to five classes to open up a building. It moved into a bigger building. And at some point, we had, I don't know, 100 classes a week and 25, 30 instructors. So it just took a life of its own, but, but always kind of a side gig for me because I always had my regular job on top of that. 
then COVID happened, as you know, two, three years ago, the indoor place got, uh, we shut down the indoor place because it was not a, we're not able to run it. We moved everything outdoor and now we have this uh, pretty big place outdoor with a lot of equipment, which we could never do if we were indoor. So it looks like a circus lot. And uh, thanks to the fact that we're in Vegas, we're able to have some amazing instructors. We're able to uh, use some of the instructors from Cirque du Soleil or some of the performers quite often, anytime I can, if I can hire a circus geo, even if it's just for a while, I love to do so because I think that anybody who's worked at Club Med is a great instructor. So that's been going on now for... 13 years, I think. Yeah, 13 years. And uh, we have a performing troupe of uh, young girls who got to work at the NFL draft last year in the middle of the Bellagio Fountain and perform all over the world. And um, yeah, so it really, was it hard? No. Is it hard to keep it up with everything else in our life? Yeah, that's more challenging than anything else. But it, it just uh, it just happened. and uh, And I could not I obviously talk about this without always talking about the influence of Bob Christians. Now, Bob used to say every week when there were some kids that we could not figure out at Club Med, now where are we going to put them in the show? They're just, they, you know, they're a bit clumsy. And he would always say there's a place for everyone in the circus. So we kind of adopt the same thing here. So we're running this program as in there's a place for everyone in the circus. That's what Bob used to say. You know, some people come because they want to become professionals. Other people do it as a bucket list item people we have some that are regulars who do it every who do it every week as just an activity for them to stay in shape we do a lot of corporate events we do a lot of bachelorette parties and birthday parties so it, it's it's really it's for everyone you know maybe not everybody can be a flying trapeze artist but maybe they can walk the wire maybe they can juggle maybe they can bounce on the trampoline you just have to find the the, the right activity and and i think for for the kids that uh, it, it's it's a good thing for them we mostly work with kids the regulars are mostly kids and uh, you know i don't know if they're ever going to remember how to do a flip when they're 30 40 years old but if they remember that they can learn the skill that they thought would never be possible and they can do it and they get to perform it in front of a small crowd or big crowd you know that's a, that's a great thing for those kids never thought that some of them would turn professional that's that's a that's a bonus we that was never the goal but yeah, we have some of them traveling right now on different shows that have started with us who have uh, who are now kind of doing what Lisa and I did. You know, started in the school, not knowing anything. For us, it was Club Med. And, and now they're they're touring with some shows. So it, we're just paying it back. And um, that's, uh, that's how it is. Okay. So you're saying that if I visit Las Vegas in the near future, I could visit trapeze las vegas and i can get a swinging trapeze lesson from stephanie gasparoli is this doable yeah yeah stephanie's okay. amazing stephanie's amazing she's uh she, she's performed with Soleil all over the world she's one of the greatest swinging trapeze uh artists and again we're just she just happens to be in vegas and it's like well i do swinging trapeze i'm like well great we're gonna we're gonna put a swinging trapeze program together so yeah you can take a class with her you can uh you can take a bungee class with uh richie gaona from the famed uh, family flying trapeze family of the flying gaonas and, and so on and so on so we're we're a bit of the the who's who sometime. I mean, we you know, again, I don't know if you're familiar with the world of circus, but you know, it's not, it happens that sometimes Miguel Vasquez will stop by in the middle of a flying trapeze. Miguel Vasquez was the first man to do the quadruple somersault. And at the time was probably the best flying trapeze artist uh, in, in the world. So yeah, so sometimes he's there and, and so on. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's very funny that those people that I grew at Club Med that I would watch on, on a four inches TV that we used to carry with us because we only had three VHS tape and that's the only thing we could watch was these people flying on the trapeze. And, and now now they come by or, or their children in some cases come by and, and work for us or help us or fly with us. Uh, so it's uh, it was never part of a plan. There's, there was no business plan for this. There was no, it, it was never, never supposed to be that way. It, just happened and it took a life of its own okay and you're located on sunset road there sunset and las vegas bull bar yep so anytime you're landing at the airport if you know where to look you're flying right over the trapeze if you happen to oh, know okay. where to look yeah we're right by the right by the runways right by the strip sweet very nice well thanks for for sharing that thank you now um 
I know you mentioned we mentioned a lot of names uh, from your past. Is there anyone that uh, we haven't mentioned you enjoyed working with? I don't want to leave anyone out. I you think know? I tried to put a lot of names already in yes. the, in, in this thing. Uh, you know, like you know, Bobby Bates at the beginning was was a great influence. Not only did he help me on on the trapeze at the beginning, and I didn't even work with him for a long time, but he said something which I think another Geo also has said uh, at some point uh, that you have uh, on a past uh, episode of yours, where you know he came to me and he said, you know. It's easy to uh, to be friendly with uh, with all the, the the ladies that are here. If you want to be a good geo, about to become friendly with the guys. Talk with the guys. Now be friendly with them. Introduce the guys to the to the ladies that are here, and make sure everybody has a good time. And that will make you a good geo. That will make you a good person. And uh, and I thought about that, and uh, like yeah, kind of kind of makes sense. So that was a big influence, and even even went further. It's like and know everybody in the team. You know, I know we're not, uh, sometimes we don't know the maintenance team as much or the kitchen team as much because, you know, you're the mini club team, you're the animation team, you're the sports team, but get to know everybody. Talk with everyone. You never know the day that you're going to need a hammer or you're going to need a, a piece of bread or something. Like that. Just be friendly with everyone. You're, you're part of a team here. I don't know if I've ever even had this conversation with Bobby. I mean, we see each other once in a while, but uh, I never forgot the conversation. So that was definitely a, a big influence for me. And then I, I already mentioned Bob Christians many times, and obviously Lisa, which, uh, you know, we were we were always a team. And the season of Playa Blanca, we already talked about. So, I, no, I think I mentioned, uh, yes, I mean, I could go through a list of people over the years <laughs> that I've worked with, but uh, having done no, nine seasons. Uh, I think I think that would be that would be too long yeah, to name everyone. Yeah. You're a busy man and you've got like five jobs. So I know I know I can't keep you too much longer. <laughs> um That's fine. is there is there anything possible you missed? Do you miss anything about Clement? That I miss about Clement, yeah, yeah. There's sure, sure. There's a lot of things I miss about Clement. The ability to to go out and pretty much do anything you wanted to do. And then let me be a bit more specific. Like like you, you would have an idea. It's like, hey, we should do a skit. We should do this lip sync number. We should do something in the circus show. We should do this in the fruit passage. And that you could quickly put that together. There was no approval process. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it did not work and you never did it again. But just to be able to go do this, so I, obviously now I work in a corporate world where you know we have a committee in charge of studying what the committee is saying of the other committee, and then eventually somebody makes a decision, you know, and then the, all that takes so long. I, I think one of the funniest thing, the, the funniest skit about Clamet is when you do the difference between the corporate world and the life of Clamet, and we used to do this thing in slow motion. And making it look like uh, Club Med was so disorganized and the corporate world was great, I I I'm, I don't think that's true. If anything, I think it's amazing that we can reinvent ourselves at Club Med every week and do whatever we want, and that it always works one way or another. So not having this this freedom to just go and do something, just to go out and and try something, and you know just grabbing a microphone and and saying a joke or doing a skit and you know, I, I cannot do that today and i think that's unfortunate because that is what clement for me was great to be able to do any of these things okay did uh was any of your seasons magical do you think there's one that stood above the others or do you like them all for different reasons well, no, obviously every one of them is different and some of them were much better than other, though I would not say any one of them was bad, but the 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 Playa Winter 89, 9E was obviously probably one of the one of the best season. I mean, you know, talk about having an idea. Someone decides that we're gonna do a wrestling match, that we're gonna get the maintenance team to build a ring, and that we're gonna set up the circus mats on the ring and we're gonna put the three ropes around it, and that we're actually gonna put on a full-on wrestling as part of a show i mean that's think about this it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it but but we did and uh you know red and i were the french canadian connection fighting against the palma and and uh and uh cheese i think or jenner and uh and then lisa fighting against one of the uh horseback riding and i mean we're, we're doing full tricks with now we're putting somebody over our shoulders, slamming them on the floor, throwing them over the ropes on the table. And Ansel Moss is doing and Hammer, you know, Mr. T are doing the commentating. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, I think we only did two or three times that whole season because we 
we were getting hurt way too badly <laughs> doing it. It was nuts. <laughs> it was nuts to do that. But man, what that that was so much fun. I mean, that, I, I still have that VHS tape somewhere of that show. And uh, yeah, that that was that was a great season. Uh, Playa by far was a great season. Well, you said you had photos of this uh, wrestling match, so um, so uh, you'll you'll send them to me, and then, you know if you're listening to this, just go to the Facebook post and and check out his photos because I, uh, I've uh, got some, I've got some amazing pictures good. and videos of that season. So yes, good. I can definitely send it. I've, uh, I've heard this story a lot, but I've never actually seen the photos from it. So yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I'll be happy to send you pictures of this. Okay. Yeah, there's a that's this is this is probably one of the the best yeah the best season again. Many stories about many of these villages, you know. Doing arrival and alert threads during a rainstorm where the road is so flooded that the GMs are actually coming in on the back of a uh, of a dump truck because that's the only thing that's high enough that they can go above the water. And we're welcoming them with masks and snorkels in the middle of the road because we can actually swim on the road. Yeah, that's uh, that's that. No, that's that was a fun one too. Uh, <laughs> and there, there's so many other stories like this, but no, Playa was probably the best season. Okay. Wow. Well, this has been great, uh, Stefan. I really want to thank you for taking the time to share your story with us here today. No problem. It was a pleasure. And uh, I, I keep telling people it's uh, it changed my life. I think it's a, it's an amazing place to to go to learn. I always say that I, can, I grew up uh, and I graduated from the, from the University of Clamed. It, it has helped me so much in my career after. I, I feel very confident dealing with people from every uh, part of the world, the different culture and, and all of this. That's because of what I've learned at Clamed. Well, I could not have said that better myself, sir. So uh, I think that's the perfect way to end this interview. Uh, this has been great. Uh, everyone, that was Stefan Cote from Montreal, now living in Vegas. And uh, well, here's where we say goodbye to all the all the people listening and all our friends. Take it away, sir. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye.